Church exists to shine as light in our homes, in our community, and in our world. To contact us or for more information, see our website at wildwoodchurch.org. We're glad you're with us today. And if you have a Bible, I want to invite you to uh, grab that and, and pull it out. We're going to be looking at it in just a few moments. I'm very grateful for uh, Mark leading you into the Word over the last number of weeks. Appreciate him, appreciate his leadership, appreciate his, his heart. You know, I have to admit to you, I'm going to be honest because I've been away for a while. I am a big fan of the oldies. I really am. I'm a big fan of the oldies. Now, when you say you're a fan of the oldies, that means different things to different people. You see, for some people, the oldies are the songs of the 90s. I mean, after all, it's been nearly 20 years, right, for, from some of those songs. To some, the oldies are the songs of the 80s. To some, the oldies are the songs of the 70s. To me, the great era of the oldies is 1964 to 1967, when I was age 13 to age 16. And I just loved the groups then. Uh, I loved the Beach Boys. I loved the Grassroots. I loved the Rascals, the Turtles, the Buckinghams. I uh, really enjoyed that. Now, some of you, when I rattle those names off, are thinking, who are those guys? Hadn't really heard of them. Some of you are thinking, when I rattle off those group names, I can't believe you liked those groups. Um, but the reason why I love the oldies from that era is that the music was so upbeat and so fun, and you could understand the lyrics that were being sung. Well, in the weeks ahead, we're going to look at some other oldies. In fact, we're going to be looking at some of the original oldies. They are found in the Bible, in the middle part of your Bible, in the book of Psalms. So if you have a Bible, I want you to turn in the middle of your Bible to the book of Psalms. And if you don't have a Bible, there should be one under a chair in front of you, and you can grab that and find the middle of it, and you will find the book of Psalms. Now, the Psalms were originally written in Hebrew, the Hebrew language, and the Hebrew title of this section of Scripture is praises. Now, we get the word psalms from the Greek translation of the Old Testament, which was done, by the way, four centuries before Jesus. And they titled this section the psalmoi, which is really the word psalm with an O-I on the end of it. And that title comes from a word that means a song sung while accompanied by an instrument. And so really what we have is an anthology of songs in the book of Psalms. It is a collection of songs that were sung accompanied by instruments. And while the oldies of the 60s were upbeat and fun, the Psalms are uplifting and insightful. And we want to talk a little bit about the Psalms before we come to the song that we want to begin looking at this week. Now, while there are several human authors of these songs or these psalms, they are ultimately composed by the Holy Spirit. And because they were composed by the Holy Spirit, 
They are therefore timeless and instructive to you and to me. And we're actually going to begin looking today at Psalm number 15. So you might begin to locate Psalm 15. But before we start looking at some details of Psalm 15, I want to give us an orientation to Psalms as a divine anthology. just want us to have a little sense of what this whole anthology is all about. You are probably aware that there are 150 Psalms, half of which are written by David. And there's different kinds of psalms or songs. For example, there are creation psalms, all about creation and God's creation. There are penitence psalms or songs where the author is basically confessing things to God. There are messianic psalms or songs which are talking about the Messiah and the coming of Messiah. There are lament psalms or songs in the anthology. They are really songs of despair where the, the psalm writer is in, in just, just under the pile, uh, dealing with difficulties in life, and they're just lamenting what life is about, and they're despairing of their situation. And all of us have felt those kinds of things from time to time. And then there are praise and thanksgiving psalms or songs. So you have all these different kinds of ones in the book of Psalms. You might find it interesting is that when you look at the New Testament, the most frequently quoted book of the Old Testament is the book of Psalms. And just to give you a little bit more orientation to the anthology of oldies that God has given to us, there are in this collection of 150 nine what are called acrostic psalms. Those are psalms where the verses or sections of the psalm, each one begin with a letter of the Hebrew alphabet down in order. It's called an acrostic psalm. And Psalm 9, Psalm 10, Psalm 25, Psalm 34, Psalm 37, Psalm 111, Psalm 112, Psalm 119, Psalm 145 are arranged in that way by the alphabet, by the Hebrew alphabet. We know that the book of Psalms was part of the worship of the early church. We learn that from Ephesians 5.19, Colossians 3.16, 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 26. It says this in Ephesians 5.19, talks about the believers speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. So these are true oldies, but they're fascinating, and they were part of the worship of the early church. Now you'll notice when you just look at the psalms that we still have the words. We still have the lyrics to the songs, but God chose not to preserve the music. And why do you think he would do that? Well, I think part of the reason why God did that is that musical styles vary by culture. If you are in Russia... The musical styles are different than they are here. If you are in the Middle East, 
the musical styles are different than they are here. If you are in parts of Africa, the musical styles are different than they are here. Musical styles vary by culture and they vary by times. We know that the musical style that was popular in the 40s in America is not the same musical style that is popular today. So God preserves for us the lyrics of the songs, but He chose not to preserve the music itself. Now, we could talk a lot about psalms. I mean, this is a, a great book in the Bible. There are a lot of psalms that are favorites of mine, a lot of them. One of my favorites is Psalm 119. That's one of those acrostic psalms where you have sections built around the Hebrew alphabet. It's just a celebration of the Word of God. It's one of the longest ones that you can ever find. And I've always enjoyed that psalm because it says in verses 99 and 100 of Psalm 119 that if you can learn the Word of God, this has always been neat for me, it says you will know more than your teachers and you will know more than the aged. And that's a great thing. It's a great opportunity. You can learn more truth about life than your teachers have and even people who've lived all of their life if you incorporate the Word of God into your perspective. Love that psalm. I love Psalm 103. If you haven't been in Psalm 103 for a while, you need to go there. It's the great psalm of forgiveness and the great forgiveness that God has won for us. And then, of course, you have Psalm 23. That is the Lord is my shepherd psalm. And by the way, we're going to be looking at that psalm a little later on in the fall. Maybe my most favorite psalm of all might be Psalm 19, because Psalm 19, the first half of it, celebrates how God has spoken through creation. And when you look around at creation, you can just hear the truth about there being a God. And then the second part of that psalm is how God has spoken through Scripture. And I'll tell you, that psalm is amazing. I go back to that song over and over and over again to remember what the Word of God can bring to my life. But we're coming today, among all these 150, to Psalm number 15. And I want you to know that that Psalm number 15 has fascinated me for several years. And I have been reading it and thinking about it, And I have just recently been sensing, you know what, I think the time is right now to take a closer look at Psalm 15. I sense that God really wanted me to dive into Psalm 15, and so really what I'm doing is I'm inviting you to come along with me in our investigative tour of this oldie, Psalm number 15. So we're launching a short series I have entitled, Character Worth Building. It's a message series built around Psalm 15. And here's the plan for today. You can tell we're just orienting ourselves to the book of Psalms. Our plan for today has two steps involved. Number one, we're going to look at the superscription of the psalm. And you're going, what's the superscription? I don't understand that. We're going to look at that. And then we're going to look at the bookends of the psalm because it has bookends. There's one bookend at the beginning and a bookend at the end. The first bookend is verse 1. The last bookend is 
verse 5c. That's all we're going to do this morning. We're going to look at those two things, the superscription of the psalm, and then we're going to look at those two bookends that keep the psalm hemmed in with a great message for you and for me. So let's begin by looking at the superscription now. And we have 150 psalms, 116 of them have a superscription. Just a little introduction, a little summary, a little something about the song before you actually get into the lyrics of it. If you have your Bibles open to the Psalms, I want you to notice Psalm 14, which is, of course, right before Psalm 15. And I want you to see the superscription that is written there. The superscription reads, Folly and wickedness of men. For the choir director, a psalm of David. So what do we learn from that superscription? This psalm, 14, was authored by David. He wrote the song for the choir director, for the worship leader. And the theme of the psalm is the folly and the wickedness of men. You see the idea of how the superscription gives you some insights. Look at Psalm 17, a couple of psalms past Psalm 15. The superscription in Psalm 17 says, Prayer for protection against oppressors. A psalm, or rather a prayer of David. And so again we have in Psalm 17, David being the author of the song, and it is really a prayer song. It is a song that David authored and wrote as he prayed to God for protection, and in particular, for protection against those who were oppressing him. So now let your eyes go back to Psalm 15, and we see that there is a superscription there. It says, description of a citizen of Zion, a psalm of David. Now, you might have noticed as we've looked at several of these superscriptions, they've all said a psalm of David, and it's important just to understand as you orient to the book that Psalm 1 to Psalm 41 is a collection of David's songs. So the first 41 in the overall collection of oldies is 41 of David's. Remember, he did half of them, but the first 41 are 41 of his. And you might say, what is the significance that it's a psalm of David, a song that was written to be accompanied by instruments? Well, you you would know, if you know the Bible at all, that David is a very, 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 very prominent person in the Old Testament. In fact, he is probably the most prominent person in all of the Old Testament. Some 1,000 times in the Bible, it talks about David and mentions David. You think about Abraham, who was really the founder of Judaism and ultimately the founder of the church, if you track it all the way back. And David is mentioned in the Bible three times more than Abraham. David is mentioned more than Moses in the Bible. Remember who David is? David is the greatest king that Israel ever had. David was the greatest warrior 
that Israel ever had. And while those things are important, what it says in 1 Samuel 13, 14 is even more important because it says there that David was a man after God's own heart. A great person to study in the Bible. You study David's life and you'll find out that when it talks about him having a heart after God's own heart, you see that David had an open heart. He just had an open heart in his life before God. We can learn when we study David that he had a humble heart before God. He was a very humble man. He knew who God was. When you study David's life, you find out that he had a very dependent heart. He was dependent on God. He looked to God, not only on a monthly basis or weekly basis, but virtually on a daily basis. And when you look at David's life, you see that he had a God-honoring heart. The most important thing in David's life, number one, was he wanted to honor God as he lived his life. You can study David and you find out that he had a deep heart appreciation for the omniscience of God. He knew and he appreciated that God knows everything. He had a great appreciation for God's omnipresence. He knew that God was there and everywhere. He had a great appreciation for God's omnipotence, that God was the one who was in charge at all times. He had a great appreciation, a deep heart appreciation for the faithfulness of God. He knew that God was going to be faithful to him. And he had a deep heart appreciation for the righteousness of God. David is a very, very prominent person in Scripture. And when we had a son after having one daughter and then daughter number two, and we named our son Kyle, we chose the name David to be my son's middle name. Part of that was a prayer before God that my son might grow up being a man after God's own heart like David was. Now, you know, you hear all of that, and, and you might be saying to yourself right about now, you're saying, good golly, Bruce. I mean, this is a spiritual superman. How, how can I relate to what this guy has to say? I mean, what can I really learn from a spiritual superman? Well, I want to remind you about David's life and remind you that if you look at David's life, you will find out in David's life, it was a series of highs and a series of lows. Can you identify with that? You look at David's life and you'll find out it was a series of ups and a series of downs. Can you identify with that? You look at David's life and you'll find out as a series of triumphs and a series of tragedies. Can you identify with that? In other words, his life was normal, just like yours and just like mine. And as we begin to look at this song that he wrote, 
I think it's very important that we understand that he did not live in a, you know, a spiritual glass house, kind of like a little museum piece there. Somebody that we could never be like, that we could never learn from. No, it's not true. You study the life of David and you know that this man knew what it was like to experience heavy blows in his life. He knew, David knew what it was like to experience relationships that come apart at the seams. David knew what it was like to experience personal failure in his life. David had more than the normal share of scars in his life. You know how we like to get together and we'll talk about some of those scars that happened to us. He had more than his normal share of those things. He had more than his normal share of poor choices and mistakes that he made in his life. He knew more than his normal share of unjust treatment by other people. He's an amazing guy. He's someone who experienced what it was like. Can you imagine this? He experienced what it was like to actually conquer a bear and a lion. Anybody else pull that one off? No, but at the same time he had that great triumph in his life. He experienced what it was like to hide in caves as he was being hunted down as a criminal. He experienced as a shepherd boy, boldly defeating the giant Goliath, nine foot plus. But as a king, he also experienced, sadly, committing adultery and committing murder. David knew what it was like to have his best friend stand by him at the risk of his own life. He knew what that was like. But he also knew what it was like to have his friends abandon him without giving him a second thought in the most difficult period of his life. See, he had more than a normal share of scars in his life. He had more than the normal share of poor choices and mistakes. He had more than the normal share of undressed treatment by other people. I just want you to understand who wrote the song we're going to be looking at. You see, David knew what it was like to cry out to God, Why, Lord? And he knew what it was like to declare, Even so, I will trust you. I want you to understand as we look at this psalm that it is a psalm of David, and he is worthy of listening to. He is worthy of us heeding his counsel. It is in the superscription, a psalm of David. Now, the second thing I want you to notice in the superscription is it says it is a Description of a citizen of Zion. 
Now, I want to be very, very clear. We need to understand this. What we see in Psalm 15 are not prerequisites to enter the family of God. He's not saying you need to be these things in order to enter the family of God. He is going to be sharing with us principles that we are to display in our life since we are a member of the family of God. Becoming a citizen of heaven and a member of God's family is something that comes to us by spiritual birth. It's not something we inherit. It comes to us by grace through faith, right? You don't earn your way into God's family. But once we experience that spiritual birth and we come to know him by grace through faith, we become a citizen of God's kingdom. And so if you've trusted in Jesus Christ as your Savior, that's where your hope is on the blood that he shed for you, then you are a citizen of God's kingdom. And there is some character that we are to display as citizens. There are some marks of maturity that we are to have in our life. There are some signs of true spirituality that we are to display. I don't know if you've noticed, but in the news we frequently will hear about the trek to Mecca that goes on in the Middle East. You heard about the trek to Mecca. Usually it occurs in December where some three million Muslims will travel to Saudi Arabia. We hear about that in our news. Well, in the Old Testament era, a similar thing would always happen on an annual basis where the Jews would journey to Jerusalem for Passover. And many of the Psalms were songs that were composed to be sung on the journey. You know, people didn't get on an airplane. The journey would take time. And they're on their way to celebrate Passover, and so they would develop these songs to be sung on the journey. And it is very likely that Psalm 15 was one of those songs. We are part of the family of God. We're on our way to celebrate Passover. And so let's sing about the ways we are to display true citizenship. Let's sing about character that is worth building into our lives. Let's sing about the marks that would be present in the life of one who lives wisely. And so that is likely the background to this psalm. So we said we were going to do two things today. The first thing we we're going to do is we we're going to look at the superscription. The second thing is we were going to look at the bookends of the psalm, and I want, I want to do that. Verse 1 and verse 5c. Notice, please, verse 1 of Psalm 15. O Lord, who may abide in your tent? Who may dwell in your holy hill? Now, there's a little background to this. You need to remember in that day when they would travel to Jerusalem, there were no hotels there. There might be a small inn, but there were no hotels really. There were no restaurants. And so if you were going to come into Jerusalem, you would be dependent upon the hospitality of others for your refreshment and for your rest. And David very cleverly composes this song and, and begins with a question that's posed to God. God, who can abide in your tent? Who may dwell on your holy hill? 
most likely that the word tent here is a reference to the tabernacle of God, which is where you had the presence of God. The holy hill is a reference to Mount Zion in Jerusalem. Both of them pictures of God's presence. Who may abide in your tent? Who may dwell on your holy hill? The words abide and dwell have a breadth of meaning. Different meanings can be given to them, but the word abide most frequently is translated with the word sojourn. We don't use that word in English very much today, but sojourn referred to someone who was making a short-term stay, who was a recipient of the hospitality of another person. And if I could put it in our vernacular today, with this journey to Jerusalem as a backdrop, it begins with this question. Who gets invited to sleep in God's tent while we're in Jerusalem for the Passover? Who is invited to stay over at God's place? The message, I think, that translation of the Bible catches the spirit of these verses. It says this, God, who gets invited to dinner at your place? How do we get on your guest list? And then when he develops... In this psalm are 10 aspects of character. I want us to look at them. Verse 2 gives some character in our personal life. There are three things that we are to embrace. He who walks with integrity and works righteousness and speaks truth in his heart. In verse 3, some aspects of character related to interpersonal relationships. Three things to avoid He does not slander with his tongue, nor does evil to his neighbor, nor takes up a reproach against his friend. And then in verses 4 and 5, some character that we should display in our public practices, and there are four traits here, two positive ones and two negative ones. In whose eyes a retrobate is despised, but who honors those who fear the Lord, he swears to his own hurt and does not change. He does not put out his money at interest, nor does he take a bribe against the innocent. And that's really the outline of what we're going to be looking at in the weeks ahead. The first bookend to the psalm says, who gets invited to stay at God's place? Who gets a special invite to be God's guest? And then we have 10 aspects of character worth building in your life and mine. But I want you to see... The second bookend on all of this, and it's a very valuable promise that is given. Notice that last phrase of verse 5. He who does these things will never be shaken. If you build this kind of character in your life, you will never be shaken. Now remember, David just didn't have a smooth life. He knew his highs and lows. He knew his triumphs and tragedies. He knew his success and failure. He knew poor choices and mistakes. But what he's saying is this. Even as life happens to you, if you focus on this character that is worth building, you will never be shaken. As you experience life, you will find yourself on firm, solid ground. As you face difficulty, you will find stability in your life. As you face adversity, you will find a rock solid inner core in your life. I read that and I go, wow, this is great stuff. 
This is perspective that each one of us need regardless of what our age is. This is the ultimate golden oldie that we have before us. And what a thrill and what a privilege it's going to be for us to unpack the lyrics of this song over the next couple of weeks. By the way, your primary assignment that you have this week is to read and reflect on Psalm 15. Now, I want to end this morning with two questions for reflection. The first question is this. Remember the description of a citizen of heaven? And my question would simply be, are you a citizen? It's not an inherent thing. It's not an automatic thing. It's not something you inherit from your parents. It's a life choice that each person has to make. There's a spiritual birth that has to happen. You cannot earn your way to be a citizen. And I want to just simply say, maybe today, God is just sort of knocking on your heart, saying, are you ready to stop living life your way? And to look to the cross of Jesus Christ. Second question for reflection is this. It's a prayer question. As you read and reflect on Psalm 15 this week, will you do this? Sometimes we don't slow down enough to do this. But God wants to speak to you through this psalm. And to ask the question, where do you want me to change and to grow, God? And if you will ask that, he will answer that. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for this word. We thank you so much for David and that he would compose a song that we can learn from multiple centuries from when he lived. And we thank you today, most of all, for the person of Jesus Christ, for all that he is and all that he's done for us, and for what he did on the cross, and calling us to be a citizen of heaven because he bled and he died for us. What a great opportunity we have to worship you and praise you now. And we would pray that as we interact with this oldie, that you will teach us some things you want us to hear. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.